So welcome back to another episode of Adventures in Time and Space, a Doctor Who podcast, where three Scottish guys watch all of Doctor Who from 1963 to present. And once again, I'm joined by Mike me. and Tom. Me, hey, how's it going, guys? How we how we doing today? I'm good. I'm good. Yeah, I'm good. Good, good, good. All righty then. Excited. I'm actually, I'm actually quite excited for this one. Actually, um, it's been a, it's been a long time since I watched this this episode, so um, and we do have a lot to cover on it. Like, so it's quite, yeah, um, yeah. It's a it's, it's a good it's a it's a good it's a good one, isn't it? So, yeah, it's good. It's a good introduction to the Daleks. Oh yeah, but, yeah, definitely. So, <sighs> so shall we? Crack on with the news, then. Yeah, let's crack on with the news. Would the owner of the blue box in private gallery 15 please report to the steward's office immediately? With the news, we actually have the 60th air dates announced now. We have the Star Beast coming on the 25th of November. Then we have Wild Blue Yonder on the 2nd of December. And The Giggle on the 9th of December. So we have... Yeah, that's, that was way out. <laughs> yeah, a little bit, but I, I said I said around the twenty fifth, didn't I? Well, yeah, that would have made more sense, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah, it would have. Yeah, but we yeah, love that. It just it opens the gap between um, the sixtieth and the Christmas specials. So. Yes, at least we don't have to wait as long. Yeah. Well, between the, the three episodes and then the Christmas one, then we have to wait even longer between the Christmas one and the start of the next series. Yeah, <laughs> they really don't do as good, do they? They don't. They don't like make it any closer. Well, I don't know. You might only have to wait like three, four months. Yeah, that's still too long for who? <laughs> it's better than like a year or so. Though. Oh well, yeah, yeah. That's that's a fair point. Yeah, but if the fact is, if you do get that little bit of itch for them, we have they have going to be releasing the DVD and Blu-ray of the sixtieth specials. The three-disc release, which includes exclusive additional content, will be available for fans to own on Steelbook, Blu-ray and DVD from the 11th of December, with pre-orders available today. Yeah. Have you pre-ordered yours yet? Not yet. I need to get on and do that. So do. Yeah. Get my Wi-Fi fixed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm going to try and get round to pre-ordering one. And also, the series 15, it has started filming already. It started filming on the 23rd of October, and it's set to air in 2025. Yeah, they're, they're very far ahead. They're, they are. I suppose, in a way, that's a good thing. Series by, each series by year, at least they've, they're kind of preempting it, because they know, they know they've got the fan base anyway. So yeah. They so they can, they can like record and do series like years in advance because it's who everyone's going to watch it yeah it just means there's going to be more regular content every year yeah and we've not even seen shooty gatwell yet but he's, he's doing his second season already which is cool yeah it's cool it's, it's well they've obviously got faith in him as well because he is he is a really good actor even david tennant is singing his praises as well so i think it's good yeah yeah, probably about four. Well, if if the pre-recording of the series is going anywhere, I think it's 
I think uh, he's he's got to get quite a good run. Yeah, I hope so. It looks like that way anyway. But also, speaking of season series 15, sorry, uh, the directors have been announced for them. Uh, we have, is it Alex Pallali? Yep. Uh, yeah, they're good. Director of Block 1 is directed episodes of Riverdale chill, and Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. And do you remember Merlin? Yeah, I've got the I've got the DVDs for Merlin. I loved it. I loved it. Merlin was amazing. Yeah. So it was. And then for block two, that we have Peter Hoare. Yep, that's the one. That, like, I was I was making sure I read that there because I thought I'm going to say something bad. <laughs> and he has directed Nolly, uh, in this year by by RTD. Uh, one episode of The Last of Us, which was an amazing series as well. It's a Sin in twenty twenty one. Again, an amazing series. So it is. Yeah. It is, uh, me and part my partner sat and wa- watched the whole series, and that is a really good series. Uh, episodes of an Umbrella Umbrella Academy. Again, amazing series. Yeah, amazing. The Last, King- the Last Kingdom. I mean. This guy's got a lot of good series behind him, so he has. Yeah. Uh, Daredevil, Doctor Who Series 6, Episode 7, A Good Man Goes to War as well. So he has directed uh, a Doctor Who episode, so he kind of knows what he's doing. Uh, we also have the writers announced for Series 14. We have Kate Heron and Briny Redman. Uh, Kate Hearn, she was the executive producer and director of the Loki, Loki Series 1, as well as directing Sex Education Series 1. So Shruti Gatwa kind of knows her, which would make it easier because they'll kind of have that working relationship. Bryony Redman is an actor, comedian and Bafter Rockcliffe winning writer whose work includes the Welsh crime comedy Pont Break. And the award-winning short film Forget Me Not, which screened across film festivals internationally. Yeah, it's. Uh, I don't think they've ever written for Doctor Who before, so it's new writers that Russell T Davis is bringing in, which is always good because you always need some new writers coming in to. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. You need some new new blood, as they'd say. Yeah, and uh, obviously Kate Hearn has obviously worked with on Loki, which is kind of like a lot of time travel and stuff like that, and it's sci-fi. Yes. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, we also have the Tales of the TARDIS episode one to six. This I'm actually looking forward to this. It, it's going to be really good because uh, reprising the roles as the Doctor and the companions to go on a timey-wimey spin down memory lane in these unmissable adventures are Maureen O'Brien... And Peter Purvis, yeah, I was just making sure I'm reading that right, Fraser Hines and Wendy Padbury, Katie Manning and Daniel Anthony, Peter Davison and Janet Fielding, Colin Baker and Nicola Bryant, and Sylvester McCoy and Sophie Aldred. And previous Doctor Who writers, Phil Ford and Pete McTay, I mean, it's going to be good. Yeah, it's it came out yesterday, so you can watch all six now on uh, BBC iPlayer. Yeah, okay. Unfo- so, unfortunately, yes. yeah. Unfortunately, if you're out with the UK, you can't watch it. Oh, that's unfortunate. 
Yeah. But, but for the U, for the UK fans, we get we get treated to that. I'm sure I'm sure they'll release it internationally as well at some point. I think basically the decision was that because it was made from a BBC license fee money, yeah, and there was no out other other source of money that was making it, then they decided basically it was just free for the BBC license fee people um, oh. in the UK. Oh, nice. yeah, which is fair enough, but it's kind of annoying for some of the the people in America and yeah, but I mean, you never know; you can maybe watch it at some point. Yeah, they can come and hold it in the UK and watch it, just for that reason. Yeah, I, I, I was quite busy yesterday, but I watched the first episode yeah. with uh, Peter Davison and Janet Fielden. Yes. And, uh, the Fifth Doctor and Keegan, who called Earthshot. And it's all right. Like, yeah. The first five episodes are like new stuff, and the last five minutes are new stuff. It's just kind of like the bits in between that are just like... Um, the actual episodes from like the eighties and stuff like that. So yeah, so I kind of skipped through some of that because I kind of know what happens. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah. But I think you for like new fan coming in, it's probably a good thing. So yeah, it's a good thing just to get yourself kind of acquainted with the with the history of it. Yeah. But yeah, I think it's good that the uh, Russells uh, made this because um, I don't yeah. think it's going to happen unless he decided he was going to do it. So, yeah, I'm quite thankful that they've done it anyway. So, yeah, I mean, it's like, like you say, it's, it's the 60th of Doctor Who, it's been 60 years since it started. And I think they need to do something like, like this, like release all this, like Doctor Who obviously related stuff, looking back at the original uh, run of Doctors before Christopher, Christopher Eccleston started it, started up again with it. And just really kind of like pay homage to them, because without them, we wouldn't it, Doctor Who wouldn't have been the phenomenon that it is. Yeah, like over the sixty years, like Doctor Who has been building, and it's now getting to more like an international level. Yeah, but it started doing that like through the revival, and then definitely through Matt Smith's years, yes. it kind of went more global. Um, I think so. So it's going to definitely get more bigger with uh, Disney involved as well. Oh, definitely. It's, it's going to go astronomical with Disney involved. Yeah. But you never you never know soon in, at Disneyland they'll have a, have have their own TARDIS and all that. Oh, could you imagine? But but would that would that make uh, make the Doctor a Disney princess? Um. <laughs> possibly. Possibly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, if you go to Disneyland and they have all these different rides for Doctor Who and stuff, yeah, you can go see like the Daleks and the Cybermen and the Tardis and yeah. Uh, I think, I think we're, we're getting far too ahead of ourselves here, so we are. Yeah, we can't but dream. That's what Doctor Who fans do. They dream and they go wild and they go, "Oh my god, that's what we're best." Yeah, that's a fair like, point. No, <laughs> and, then, and then it actually happens. I'm like, "Oh my god, we called that." Yeah. So I think I think if it actually happens, I think right now we should obviously obviously we should say, look, we we called this in our podcast, so we should get free tickets. <laughs> we'll Let's... try it, it's free ball. Uh, we, we 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 came up with the idea, all right. <laughs> <laughs> 
I'm pretty sure there's a Disney exec somewhere thinking, I can make a lot of money out of this. Let's just let's get something into Disneyland. Aye. Get shooty Gatwater to appear. <laughs> Aye. Yeah, that, that's that's a fair idea. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, have you got any more news to go on? Uh, just that Russell T. Davis confirmed in SFX uh, magazine yesterday that the Series 14 won't be called Series 14. It'll be called Season 1. All right. Oh, that is that for going on to Disney? Yes. Right. So they're reverting back to se- Season 1. Is there any... Re- did they give a reason for that, or is it just because it's easier? He didn't really specify an actual reason. He just kind of said that. Yeah. Kind of. Um, I think most people are just kind of figuring it. That that's probably because it, it was Disney. It's going to the yeah. Disney. And um, if it's called Series 14, they don't have any. Like, so I don't think any of Seasons 1 to 3 are going to be on uh, Disney Plus. Yeah. So I think it'd be kind of hard for them to kind of establish that it's yeah. you know, Season 14. That's a fair point, yeah. Yeah, but the 60th specials will be on Disney+. Plus. Good, 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 good. And he said that obviously there's going to be nine episodes per year. See, again, that's not enough who for a year. He says, he, he did justify this, he did say that obviously it's more expensive now It's, it's to make Doctor Who, and it, it was obviously the episode runs have been reducing slowly over the years. Yeah. Um, as a fan of Doctor Who, I do miss when we had more episodes of Doctor Who every year. Yep. But I do understand that obviously they've got to make some decisions about the budget. Um, and if they're only going to do nine episodes a year, they better be fantastic and yep. beautiful to look at and brilliant scripts. Because uh, you only got like nine episodes a year to make sure people watch and they can't be yeah. any crap. I mean, that, that's that's nine weeks. A year. Well, I think it'll be eight episodes a season and then a Christmas special. See, that, that really doesn't seem like much. No. Nah. When, when you put it like that, that's that's two months. Yeah. And then a Christmas special and it's like, uh, it's not, it's, yeah. But like like you say, it's the budgeting, whole, whole budgeting thing. Yeah. So... He said they were thinking of doing the spin-offs. Uh, that is the plan that they're thinking of doing to like boost the episodes yeah. through spin-offs. But they haven't started yet anything with that yet, so we might not get anything until uh, maybe 2025, the end of 2025, 2026. Yeah. I, think, I, th- I think they should bring Torchwood back. Oh, definitely. Like, definitely. Season four was kind of crap, but hey ho, hey ho, hi. But the first three seasons were brilliant. I, I think were. season three was absolutely amazing. Yes, like those for those five episodes, they were brilliant. Oh yeah, but yeah, bring Torchwood back. Torchwood definitely, and then maybe get some like new spin-offs that nobody's well that's not been made before. Like like we were we were discussing like about. Like maybe one about unit. Yeah, because they've been 
there's been they've been trying to do a unit for years. Like I think back in the classic here, they were thinking about doing a a unit spin off, but it just never got off the ground. Um, I think people would watch a unit season because there's unit stuff on Big Finish. They do unit seasons on that. Yeah, and that's pretty popular. So I, I don't see why they shouldn't just do that. But he said because obviously their studios are filled with lots of Doctor Who sets and yes. the, the the standing sets, they're not getting taken down anytime soon because they're revisiting quite a few places, apparently. Oh. So there's no real space. So they've got to try and figure out budget and they've got to figure out time to film these sort of stuff and where to do it. <sighs> but hopefully soon we'll... Yeah, you know, ho- ho- yeah, hopefully we'll get more Doctor Who related stuff. But yeah, I think he's basically implying that he's trying to get the engine going. Yeah. Because um, it basically towards the end of Jodie's run, it was kind of fizzling out a little bit and they were slowing down. Um, yeah. And I think he's just, well, with this new money with like Disney and stuff, he's trying to, to start the, the wheel going. Oh, yeah. He's trying to jumpstart it again. Yeah. I th- I'm honest, Honestly, I, I think I think he'll be able to do it. Yeah. So, I, I have faith in um, yeah. Russell T. Davis because he's also said quite controversially that some people obviously don't like the timeless child stuff so he's said that he's obviously not going to uh, delete that from the canon or yeah. he's not going to do anything about that because he feels like it would be kind of wrong to do that to Chris Chibnall his friend so he kind of yeah. feels like just leave that so it's just it's, he's just got to leave that there and kind of move away in a different direction. I think so, and I think that's probably the best thing to do, to be honest. Yeah, no one really mentions anything because Russell Davis has mentioned this before, like about in the TV movie, like Paul McGann's eighth doctor said that he's half human on his mother's side, and that just kind of just got dropped, and no one's really spoke about it since. So yeah, and it might just end up like that. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's just one of them things that happen. Like, oh, oh well, carry on. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, so do you want to discuss the Magic the Gathering? Ooh, I, oh, I don't have any more news about that. To be honest, no, no, I've not got anything else to talk about. Like, like I said last on yeah. the last show, it's there's just there's the different. Uh, uh, different uh, boxes of cards that come and all that with like the different doctors and the villains and that. That's really about it. Yeah. So right. until, until I get my hands on some, that's all, all I've got. Okay. Cool. And that was the news, everyone. Hey. The trivia. The trivia. Oh. So this is story two, uh, which was originally called The Mutants, uh, but most commonly known now as The Daleks. And it airs from the 21st of December 1963 to the 1st of February 1964. It was written by Terry Nation 
and it had two directors. I don't know if you noticed that. Yes. Uh, yeah, I did actually notice that, yeah. Yeah, so episode one and two is directed by Christopher Barry, episode three by Richard Martin, episode four and five by Christopher Barry again, and then episode six and seven by Richard Martin. So do you want to guess some of the viewing figures? Like, what do you think the the, the highest that it got? Because obviously uh, there's seven episodes, so I'm not going to get you to try and guess every single one, but do you think what do you think the highest point of the viewing figures was in the millions? <laughs> Um, it was because for the the, the last uh, for the last four episodes, uh, four episodes like it wavered, didn't it? So it was like five five point five million or something at one point, wasn't it? Uh, it ended like about six point four. I think yeah. I'm talking my memory. So I'll go for maybe eight point two million. Do you think that, that is that the highest you're going for? Yeah, 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 okay. Uh, about eight to nine million. Oh, you're pretty close there. Oh, so it started off with the first episode about 6.9, yeah, and then it rose to 8.9 by the third episode, Ooh. and then by the fourth episode, it went 9.9 million. Oh, and then it was by six, the sixth episode, it was 10.4 million. Jesus. And, and, that, and that was the same for the last episode as well, as 10.4 million in February. Oh, wow. Jesus. So you can see, like, for the, as it went flying up there like, yeah. by the Daleks. And that's how Doctor Who was saved by the Daleks. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, this is when it took off. Yeah, this is this is when Doctor Who kind of cemented itself in the like in the sci-fi genre. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's that's that was good on them for like coming up with that story. Like, so it's you know. So, so the Doctor Who poll is always there, and out of the twenty-nine first Doctor stories, where do you think this ranks amongst Doctor Who fans? Ooh. Well, obviously, 29 being the crappest Doctor Who first Doctor story, and the first being the best of the first Doctor stories. I'm going to say, with it, due to the introduction of the Daleks, I'm going to say it's got to be sitting in the top 10. So I'm going to split the difference and say five. Okay, we're going with five. I'll go with number six. So from 1998. The first Doctor Who poll yeah. uh, was ranked number one. Oh. In 2009 and 2014, in those Doctor Who polls, it was also rated number one. Oh. Oh. This year, in 2023, it was rated number five. Oh. oh. Christ. Oh, well. At least I got one. You got one. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> hey. Yeah. So you're close, but not quite. Yeah, not quite, no. <laughs> so the movie out at the time when these episodes were released was Walt Disney's The Sword and the Stone by about King Arthur. That's an amazing movie. Oh, nice. You remember remember that animated film? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I like that film, to be fair. I haven't watched it in years, but I still do like the film. 
that's a, a timeless classic right there. It is definite classic, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's quite good. It was uh, really popular at the time. Obviously, music was still the Beatles. I want to hold your hand until the 11th of January. Yeah. What was that, Tom? <laughs> yes, I know that song. Okay. Right, okay. And then by the 11th of January, where we had the Dave Clark 5, Glad All Over, which we've yeah. never heard of. Nope, don't know that one. Yeah, and then by the 25th of January, it was The Searchers, Needles and Pins. Again, don't know that one either. Needles and Pins. No. Okay. (laughs) Nope. (laughs) Okay. So some of the events around about the time of the air on these episodes was the day before the, a couple of days before the first episode, uh, one William Bradley Pitt was born. In Shawnee, Oklahoma, in the US. Oh, well, okay. And you'll better know him as the actor Brad Pitt. Brad Pitt, yeah, yeah, I got it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What? Yeah, he was born in 1963. Okay. So, yeah, he's heading for his 60th birthday. Yeah. Jesus. The 21st of December, there was a the Bloody Christmas begins in Cyprus, where basically resulted in the a lot of uh, Turkish Cypriots um, fleeing the destruction of more than a uh, hundred villages. All right, Christ, Jesus! Oh wow, Ooh. Jesus! That's not a very merry Christmas, is it? No, it's not really. Not good. Not good. Uh, Caroline O'Hearn was born on the 24th of December, and I don't know if you've ever seen the royal family. Oh, yeah. Yeah, uh, well, back in the day when it first came out, yeah. Amazing. Again, really good series, that. Yeah, well, she played Denise. Oh, really? (laughs) Yeah, she was was the co-writer of it as well. Right. So she was born on, on uh, Christmas Eve that year, nineteen sixty-three. Yep. The Beatles' hit "I Want to Hold Your Hand" and "I Saw Her Standing There" were released in the United States, marking the beginning of the Beatlemania on the international level. Yeah, they went kind of mental after that. Uh, on January the seventh, Nicholas Cage is born. Uh, the legend that is that he is. Yeah, and then January the eleventh. <laughs> United States uh, Surgeon General Luther Terry reports that smoking may be hazardous to one's health. Yeah. And this was the first like statement from the government about that. You you would have thought back even back then though that it would like it's smoke. It's bad for you. <laughs> I mean it's kinda it's like no shit. <laughs> no shit, Sherlock. You would have thought so, but it took them a really long time for them to start thinking about maybe we should put this out there because they made a lot of money from fags and stuff like that. Yeah. And it was, it was pretty cool back in the day. So Yeah. Back in the day. Yeah, but back then even doctors prescribe, doctors would say, have you tried smoking? <laughs> You're a little bit stressed. Have you tried smoking? No. Yeah. Have you tried smoking? <laughs> Doctor, my arm's falling off. Oh, that's all good, but have you tried smoking? <laughs> <laughs> no, I haven't. 
January the 17th, uh, Michelle Obama was born. Oh. Well. So shall we get into the pre-production of this story? Yeah, go for it. Go for it. Nation wrote this story and he was basically influenced by World War II and the Nazis as because he remembered it from his childhood. Yeah. And he was also concerned about advanced warfare, like you know, neutron bombs and like stuff like that. So he took inspiration from H. G. Wells's uh, novel The Time Machine. Yeah. All right, okay, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that, that was also like a um where they took inspiration from for Doctor Who as well with the time machine. But Nation took it for obviously when he, the guy goes into the future, he, there's the two different races in the future. There's the Eloy, uh, which is kind of like the, the Fowls, like the kind of peace loving people. Yeah. And then there's like the Morlocks who uh, <laughs> like live underground and stuff like that. And they kind of took that as like the Daleks. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if you've ever seen that film. Yes, I have. It's, an ama- it's amazing. I, I really like that film. Oh, did you see the 2002 one with Guy Pearce? Uh, I've, seen, I've seen both. Oh, you've seen the 60s one? Yep. I haven't seen the 60s one. but uh. The 60s one is, again, practical, practical effects, but it's still the same as the same as like Doctor Who in the 60s and all that. It tells the story amazingly, so it does. Yeah. So and it, it's real, the sixties version is really worth a watch. All right, I'm gonna try and find it then somewhere. Nation's basic outline kind of didn't really change apart from the ending. And the original ending was basically that the Fowls were blamed for starting Neutron War two thousand years earlier for the story. Yeah. But after the battle in the Dalek City, peace talks were held to see how both races could live in peace. And the Doctor discovered that neither the Daleks or the Fowls had started the war, but a third party from outer space. And at this point, once he explained this to them, the spaceships would land on Scarrow, and it would be this third party. And they would regret their ancestors' actions and would want to like, help the, the Fowls and the Daleks uh, live and yeah. make amends and stuff like that. Yeah. But Verity kind of felt this was kind of too lovey-dovey, and she didn't really like it, so they had to edit the, the ending. Yes, because they, they can't have the have the Daleks backing down because somebody else has told them, you're being very naughty, stop it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, Terranation wrote a script today, and then handed them in well ahead of schedule, and then took the money and ran. <laughs> Fair enough. As you yeah. do. So thinking about the Daleks, Terra Nation didn't want people dressed up in suits as monsters as like he knew like he'd been watching like sort of sci-fi sort of movies. And he'd always seen like people dressed up and he thought like they always looked silly. So he decided his first decision was like to take the legs off the aliens. <laughs> All right. And he thought of like the Georgian state dancers, like um like the ballet. And in that 
you remember that they would have really long skirts. The women have yeah. long, long skirts, and you couldn't really see the legs. And you, but they would move around the stage, but you couldn't see the legs. So it was quite cool. Look like kind of, they were like floating. Yeah. <laughs> so that was his original idea. So Donald Wilson, the head of drama serials, which was very Lambert's superior. He called Verity and uh, David Whitaker, the script editor, into his office, and he said that it was one of the worst things he'd ever read, and he didn't want them to, to do that story. Oh, right. Yeah. But Verity obviously explained that this was the only story that they had at the time, so they had to do it because nothing else was available. So that's basically why it got made in the first place. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> so basically, it was tough shit. Basically, yeah. The thing, the thing, the thing is, though, right? If it's the worst thing he's ever read, why was he wrong? Because it became the one of the most success. Well, at that time, this like most successful uh, of the episodes at that time. Yeah. So, boy, was he wrong? He has to check out his taste. <laughs> so the original Daleks designs were basically trying to make it comfortable for the actors to be seated in. So they designed the shell of a Dalek to fit over like a small tricycle. And they weren't going to have like a sink plunger, I mean, but that's basically all they could afford at that point. Oh, right. Unfortunately. Because <laughs> uh, they didn't have a lot of money at the point. Chris DeFabari, the director, suggested that they add a light on top of the Daleks so they could understand and know which one was talking at, at each point. Because up to that point, they didn't have any, and he, he didn't really know who, which one was talking, so they decided to put a light on it. Yeah. That's, that, that's a good idea. Yeah. And basically the light was made from Christmas tree lights covered with a ping pong ball. <laughs> yeah. Fair dude, that's, that's using your noggin. Yeah. Cheapest chips, right? Yep. And then they were operated inside by like an actor in sync with the, the other actors doing the voices. Uh, so each Dalek had a small fan inside it because it was really hot under the studio lights, and so the actors wore very little clothing because they were basically roasting inside. And yeah. one of the Daleks, Dalek 3, because there was four Daleks, they only made four, four Dalek props, but the Dalek number 3 had a, like a powerful magnet placed inside its sucker so it could carry metal items. Oh, right. Yeah. And in some shots, you can actually see that it's actually stuck in there. So you can... Oh, right. That's how it carries like the the tray for the food, and like it gets the the note from Susan. That it yeah, grabs yeah. It, that. But by the way, just while we're on that, right? One of the scenes, and I might be wrong here, but was there like uh, pictures or or something, or maybe even a mirror put up to make it look like there was more Daleks in the room? Because I'm sure. Will, one... Yeah, I will get to that. Okay. Yeah, that's one of my notes as well. But yeah, it's good that you picked it up. But yeah, we'll get to that. And an old uh, backlight fan heater was used as the Dalek's head. And whilst discussing the designs of the Dalek with the Shorecraft model workers who were going to be building the Daleks over lunch, yeah, uh, Ray used a pepper pot on the table to show how the Daleks would move. And that's how that story came about that you were referring to in the first episode. Right, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. 
and they only had like a five hundred pound budget for the four Daleks. Oh right, okay, Jesus. Yeah. So in the production of that so story, it basically began on the twenty eighth of October, and they were basically doing all the film inserts, like the models that they model and the the lift and the whirlpool and the chasms and all that sort of stuff. They did all those film inserts then. And when they were rehearsing the first episodes, William Hartnell added in the script that the Doctor should get Ian's name wrong, referring to him as Chesterfield. <laughs> yeah. He mentions that in one of the episodes, though. He says it's Chesterton, not Chesterfield or something. Yeah, because yeah. he does it yeah. again. He does it. He calls him something else. <laughs> It's just like a running gag that he wanted to do. Yeah. All right. The Dalek voices were provided by Peter Hawkins, who did the high voice Daleks. You know, the really yeah. high one. Yeah. And David Graham did the lower voice Daleks. Yeah. And they basically recorded all their dialogue, and then it was added in as the program was recorded. And the, the Dalek actors inside the props just reacted and flashed the lights and did all that sort of stuff as it went along. Yeah. Oh, God, that must have been really awkward to try and pull off. Dalek props were photographed and nine life-size blow-up images was, were added to the set to increase the number of Daleks for crowd scenes. Ah, right, okay. Yeah. That's why it looks so shit. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it kind of worked. It just, yeah... I, well, like, I bet. I bet. I bet. The time though, no one picked up. Uh, picked up and went around about the, the time that it was first aired. Yeah. But these days, knowing what we know and everything else, especially with all the behind the scenes bits stuff like that, I've always had a, a quite a good eye for these sort of things as well. Like uh, noticing certain things and whatnot, like in the backgrounds or whatever. But yeah, I just I just noticed that as like. Is that a mirror or is it a, a painting or something to make it look like there's, there's like too like there's so many yeah. talents, you know? So yeah, because back in back in the sixties, like nineteen sixty three, like the biggest television size you'd get is like a twenty three inch. Yeah. So that's like basically like what fifty eight, nearly sixty centimeters. And not everybody had a television either, did they? So no. So and it's like really small. So like now we can watch them on like you know big thirty, forty, fifty, sort of sixty inch tellies. Yeah. So like we can see them shit more more than like they could. Like we can see yeah. better. Yeah. Anyway, so the first episode was recorded on the fifteenth of November at Lime Grove Studio. Basically, to show the Doctor Ian and Barbara and Susan looking at the Dark City, a process inlay was used. Basically, where they did like a blackout section of the left-hand side of the picture, mm. where they had the cast stand on the right-hand side, and they basically just put the image in of the Dalek City model in from another camera, and they mixed them together, which was oh, quite well done at that point. That's quite clever. Yeah, and then at the end of the episode, the plunger that uh, menaces uh, Barbara was held by a production assistant. Right. There was no actual Dalek at that point. Yeah, I thought I thought it'd be something along those lines as well. It's just, yeah, I just I found I found it quite funny, and 
Yeah, it worked for the scene, if anything else. And I could see where they were, where they were going with that, and it worked. But at the same time, I just thought, oh, God, I hope nobody plunged the toilet before doing that scene. <laughs> <laughs> you blocked the toilet. <laughs> you come and get it now. Maintenance, maintenance. <laughs> Do not flush. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I will plunge you into darkness. <laughs> uh. So, on Monday the 8th of November, the rehearsals were started for the second episode, and they were reviewing the episode one film on the Monday, the same day, and they realised when they were watching it that due to, like, there was audio interference on the actual tape from, like, the instructions for like the director to like the production assistant were picked up on the studio microphones and it was odd it was that you could hear it on the audio tape on the tapes of the episode all right so they decided that it was that bad that they would have to re-record that that first episode but they realized that they already started the production of the second episode so they had to push it back a bit further so that was a bit of a piss take, but yeah. you know. I can imagine. Yeah, just a little bit. Yeah, so the 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 bit at the beginning of the second episode where Barbara's getting attacked by a plunger, that's yeah. basically from the original unaired recording. Right. Uh, they didn't really want to edit because I've researched this, that every edit cost the team in the region of £60 towards the cost of a replacement tape. Oh, Christ. And today, that would be over £1,500. Fuck. Yeah. Oof. Yeah. 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 Not great. So <laughs> they didn't really want to keep editing it, so they just had to decide to read it. So when they were recording the second episode on Friday the 22nd of November, the Dalek props were delivered to Lime Grove Studio and the car park and actors inside them sat in the bottom halves I'm basically just moving around in the car park, getting used to how the, you would move with them. And then once they put the tops on, they basically just chase each other in the car park. <laughs> <laughs> like dodgems and stuff like that. <laughs> it reminds me of the Peter Capaldi episode where he's like, uh, what's cut? Does anybody it feel like they've had this nightmare before? And then he turns around and says, Anyone for dodgems? <laughs> oh, honestly, that is. Oh, I, I love that. I, I love that scene. I thought it was brilliant. But anyway, um, so anyway, and then one of the dark operators, Robert Jewell, uh, was swinging the plunger around to do some do something on the set, and he accidentally caught one of Jacqueline Hill's boobies. Ooh, naughty! Yeah, and she squealed, and he said, "Cat B, cat B, cat B." <laughs> <laughs> he scored the chance and he took it. <laughs> uh, booby, booby, boobies. Yeah, <laughs> oh dear. And then obviously news came through that night about the JFK getting shot, and then eventually he was, he was obviously he was dead. So it kind of. Ruined the, the, the happy mood that they had at that point. Yeah. And then obviously the next day, the first episode aired. Yeah. So 
On Monday the 25th of November, after the second episode was recorded, Dark Plots returned to to Showcraft for modifications, and basically they changed the wheels on the bottom of the Daleks to swiveling casters rather than just normal balls, because then that basically allowed them to turn on the spot. Right. And also William Hartnell cut his finger on the edge of the metal band around one of the Dalek props, so these edges were now protected by tape. Recorded the third episode on the 29th of November, and you know, at the end, where there's that wee bit of a Dalek that appears out underneath the the cloak, yeah, but that was done by basically just having a stagehand and like a, a joke shop gorilla glove covered in uh, Vaseline. Oh, right, okay. <laughs> on the 6th of December, they did the first episode remount. Friday the 13th of December, the episode 4, The Ambush. And after this, Michael Somerton, uh, one of the Dalek operators, um, dropped out. And he said he didn't want to do it anymore, so they had to replace him by the following Friday, the Friday the 24th of December, for episode 5, and he was replaced by Peter Murphy as another Dalek operator. So Friday the 3rd of January, they basically recorded episode 6, and... After the air in episode three on the following day, Sydney had to admit to Verity that he knew nothing about Doctor Who and that she was pretty much right, and so did Donald Wilson. And they basically decided just to leave her alone to do her job, basically, because they didn't want any bug-eyed monsters, but she knew what she was talking about. And then Friday the 10th of January was the recording of the final episode. And Terry Nation got the rights to the Daleks. I don't know if you know that. Yeah. I mean, smart. Oh, how did he manage to get the rights to them then? I don't like, know. It must have been something in his contract with his agent. They must have wrangled that somehow. And uh, it made him a very rich man. So if they ever want to do the darks again, like they would need to go through him. Right. I'm guessing that's passed on to his kids now, though. Yeah, it's on in his estate. Well, at least they're not uh, not doing what he who must not be named is doing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know? Uh, and then, obviously, with the success of this story, uh, Terry Nation was asked to come back and write another script for Doctor Who, which was The Keys of Madness, which was in the first season as well. Right. And then, obviously, later, once they realised how good the Daleks were, he was asked to come back and write another Dalek story. <laughs> so, yeah, and then obviously Verity Lambert arranged to put two Dalek props in storage in case they were ever need to be used again, which they were. And that would save money in future. Yeah. Okay, and that's the end of production. Nice. Oh. To be fair, like it's got a lot of interesting history behind it, especially like this episode as well. Like, you know what I mean? So like at the end of the day, especially if like if one of your favourite villains is the Daleks, at least like it covers quite a lot of how they did the episodes and things like that as well. You know what I mean? So I found it quite interesting for them. So yeah, yeah. yeah. But especially the toilet plunger one, <laughs> I just found yeah. that hilarious. I know I keep banging on about it. I just I honestly, I just I just find it absolutely hilarious how they did that. We'll, let, we'll actually learn in future episodes what. What those, uh, um, what's called what those plungers actually do <laughs> in future episodes, don't we? So, 
Yeah, it's mostly in this one just for like you know holding stuff and touching door hand like door sensors and yeah, you know, and stuff, but like we consoles and stuff. But in the new who they kind of do a lot more with it, which is a lot better. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, what's kind of, I think uh, I think they were struggling for ideas with it, weren't they? So, and I think it wasn't until later episodes. I think it was. Uh, I, I don't think, like. I think it was later on in the classic who when they covered it. Um, I don't think it was until Tom Baker's. I think when they did more with it. I think I, I don't know. I might be wrong, but you know, we'll find out in future episodes anyway. <laughs> so. Yeah, we will do. So, The Dead Planet, which is the introduction to, to the oldest constant enemy, the Dalek. To be fair, like the Daleks, as a, as a kid, I don't know about yourself, Stephen, but as a kid, used to terrify me. You know? <laughs> I used to terrify yeah. a lot of kids back in, back in the day, you know? Um, but they still got that creep factor as well, like even in the modern day uh, era. With the Daleks and everything else, has still got that creep factor, you know what I mean? So we see the Doctor and his companions exploring this new world. Um, it turns out to be a dead planet due to a, a nuclear weapon of some sort. I just found it funny, like, you know, when Su- they get out the TARDIS and Susan's, like, having to look around and she finds this pretty little flower. <laughs> yeah. And the Doctor's like, yeah, like, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> and then Ian's like, "Oh, this looks great, yeah." And then Barbara screams, and "It's like, oh shit!" And they just crush it. He's like, "Barbara's more important than you, hen." Anna Flora, that's someone I want to bone. <laughs> I need to look macho. Yeah, it's all <laughs> everything's all hunky dory for a whole two seconds. But I don't, I don't get it. Like, if the whole planet's dead, what the hell's a plant doing growing? Like, when there's so much radiation. You know I, mean? I have no idea, mate. <laughs> I don't know. Like, it just seems to me like when they were like writing it or filming it or whatever, it just seems to me that they were like, right, Susan needs to be doing something. What's she going to be doing? Well, she's a female. Females like flowers. So if we put a flower there, then essentially she'll get drawn to the flower. They'll all be talking about the flower and then bang, something happens. And then all, <laughs> all shit hits the fan. That's what it felt like to me. I don't know. Like, um, I don't know. Like, that that bit could have been done a little bit better. Like, I don't know. Like, um, I don't know. Like the, I thought the doctor would be more doctorish and going right. Well, I'll get a soil sample, or I'll uh, I'll see why this 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 like what's happened here. You know what I mean? Like, or like at least Ian as well. Like him doing something like. Um, I don't know, like, like I don't know. Yeah, it just seems very weird that a plant would be grown and and a planet that's overrun with radiation. You know? Yeah, so, but Doesn't make any sense. As they're exploring this new world, Susan is convinced that someone uh, has touched her, and she kind of freaks out. Which, uh, to, to be fair, <laughs> uh, I was funny because when I was watching it, I had to turn it down because, by Christ, that lassie can scream. 
yeah. as soon as she started screaming, I was like, nope, turn it down. <laughs> you know, um, I had to, I had to w- watch some of it late last night, and obviously the wee man's asleep, and I was afraid that that scream was going to wake him up. <laughs> uh, she freaks out, but nobody's like, well, Barbara says that she believes her, but I don't think she she did. To be fair, I think always they just wanted to tell her what she wanted to hear, sort of thing, you know, like Barbara. I mean, but I don't think anybody believed her. Oh, no. did you notice the, the food machine? The food machine? Yeah, the one that serves them like we square meals. <gasps> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I do remember that, actually. Yeah, yeah. I, like, I, like, to my recollection, that's never appeared again, has it? Like, uh, I I think that's the, old, the one and only uh, thing that's uh, like essentially appeared, like uh, like the only time it's ever appeared. Should I say, you know what I mean? Um, but yeah, I did, I did find that quite interesting. That it's just, like they should bring that back to be fair because it's quite good. That's um, quite yeah, yeah. And and he's like, oh oh, why can I taste this and then this and then this? And it's like you're seriously nicking that off a of Charlie in the Chocolate Factory, aren't you? That that that's a that's the chewing gum the the meal the chewing the meal and a chewing gum. When was Challenge the Chocolate Factory actually written? Uh, Roald Dahl wrote it. Oh, actually, I'll yeah, nineteen sixty four. It was written. Right. Yeah. So so Challenge the Chocolate Factory stole the whole idea from Doctor Who. Quite possibly. Yeah. <laughs> it's fine. Doctor Who's nicked many ideas from other people. That's actually a fair point, yes. Yeah, don't worry. <laughs> it was suggested by the, the director, yeah. Christopher Barry. Right, they right. They wanted to show how they would like eat food and stuff like that. Which yeah, yeah. was quite interesting. It's and good, then, they should bring it back. Like, Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I've always wondered that as well, because... You never like you had to really see them eat. As even when in the in the episode um, with the like with David Tennant's doctor and the werewolf, they're all sitting at a table, but none of them are eating. I don't think any of them are eating. <laughs> yeah, um, and like even the doctor's just like chatting away, chatting away, and then he's like leaning over, he's addressing everyone, and then. Vodka. Yeah, they're not eating, and then the bald guy comes in from nowhere, <laughs> um, and that, and yeah, and then shit hits the fan. But yeah, um, but yeah, they should bring it back because I, I think people, like unless you watch the classic Who, like especially this episode here, like I don't know, maybe it's just so trivial nobody's ever like ever thought, oh wow, how they how are they eating? You know, what where do they eat? You know, the only the only time I think. Well, especially with the new Who, I've seen the meat is after a regeneration. It's usually only after a regeneration that you see them eating. And then the rest of the time, it's like they don't eat. Neither do the companions most of the time. Because Matt Smith's doctor has, what, fish fingers and custard. And all that. It's all this weird combination of stuff. Yeah, I think because we've got such a small amount of time, we don't have loads of episodes to watch them eat. <laughs> Later on, the doctor is desperate to, to explore the city that he, that they they see in the distance and that, and him and Ian get into it a little bit arguing over over it and everything else. And the doctor's like, "No, no, no, I'll go on my own sort of thing." And he's like, "Absolutely not! You're the only one that can 
pilot the, the, the TARDIS, you're not going anywhere sort of thing. The Doctor, the sly little devil that he is, he uh, dismembers the, the, the what was it, the, uh, the link. The fluid link. The fluid link of the TARDIS uh, so he could get his own way. So I, I found that quite funny to be fair. I was like, you sly little git, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this has never happened before. It's leaking mercury. It's empty. The only place we have it is down in that city that I wanted to go to in the first place. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> found that quite funny, and he was like, you could see as like Ian kind of walked away, and like you could see the Doctor just like smiling away at himself. He's like, ha ha, I get my own way, sort of thing, you know. But yeah, so no, it's like it's like as well when they actually uh, in the episode when they go when they get into the city, and Ian's like, we need to split up. It's like, no, <laughs> no, why are you splitting no. up, you dastards? It's like you go that way on your own. Yeah, you go, you go that way, Barbara. I'll go this way, right? Yeah. <laughs> no. Why are you splitting no. up, you dafties? It's like you go that way on your own. Yeah, you go, you go that way, Barbara. I'll go this way, right? Yeah. It's like we're we're on an alien planet. What's what's the best thing we can do? I know we'll go in different directions through buildings that we have no idea what they are, and we'll just see what happens. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> that usually happens in Doctor Who anyway. Well, yeah. But it's like, it's just like as well, you can, when you, when you see, like, when, uh, when Barbara's going through the corridors and the door shuts behind her, you can tell that somebody's on the other side of that, kind of like pushing it down because it kind of stops. <laughs> and then it's like, the guy, the guy, the stagehand that's doing it goes, oh shit, it's meant to close all the way, and then just drops it. <laughs> Ah, uh, practical effects, man. Practical effects. Oh, I know. Uh, this is another thing I found quite funny. Uh, Barbara gets attacked by a toilet plunger. <laughs> and she's, <laughs> she's like literally up against the wall going, <laughs> sort of thing, you know? And, you know, uh, we obviously we know it's the, it's the Daleks, but it's like the way they filmed it, it was like, you know, a toilet plunger just going towards our sort of thing. He said, no, don't plunge me into darkness, sort of thing, you know. But, uh, but anyway, just a funny take on that scene. So obviously, back in those days when that was first aired, I'd be like, oh, what's going on? Who are they? Sort of thing, you know what I mean? So it probably, as we pointed out, probably terrified the poor little kiddies back then, you know. The Doctor, Ian and Susan all go to try and find Barbara, but they end up getting captured. It was. It's kind of funny the fact that, like, like I say, he, he did all that just to get to the site, and then he go, and then he goes only when they find out that they're that when they're in the room and they fight, they've got that machine there, and then he goes, oh, look at the radiation, oh no. Obviously, they didn't check the radiation meter again before they left the TARDIS, so that kind of made the, they showed that they they got radiation sickness, yep. and then by the time they realise it. Right, the doctor's like, right, fine, Ian, you can stay and go and find Barbara, and then me and, Bar- me and Susan will go back to the TARDIS, and we'll just leave you. <laughs> How about that? <laughs> He's like, no. <laughs> and then he turns around and goes, it wasn't even broken, by the way. We'll, we'll, just, we'll just leave you here. Yeah. On this planet that you have no idea about, that I have no idea about, we'll just leave you here. Yeah. Or, or you can come with us, and we can just leave Barbara here. That's even worse. <laughs> it's like, I need to get out of this situation, so you can either come with me or you can stay. Yeah. <laughs> and then, like, Ian's like, nah, I've got your fluid link, pal. 
Yeah, I've got this. The thing that you said was broken, but isn't he broken? <laughs> it's like, honestly, man. You, you could literally see, see his companions wanting to swing for him. Yeah, because Ian's not chuffed. No. Oh, he was not. He's like, seriously, you... I mean, honestly, I understand it's like alien technology and all that, but have a look at it, man. If there's nothing leaking out of it, it's fine. <laughs> he said it was leaking mercury. You know what mercury looks like. You're a science teacher. Well, supposedly. <laughs> well, supposedly, yeah. But he's yeah. taking some, some man that he's only just met word on this thing because it's neat. It's a, it's a part of his ship that he... It's like, come on. <laughs> yeah. Oh, but, man. I, but I did like uh, when the, the Daleks were introduced. Oh, when I the like camera when it, pulls back? Yeah, when it just pulls back and like, there's like the most iconic villain of Doctor Who ever. And the first introduction of them. Yeah. And that, and the, just that slow pull back. And you get, I mean, in the 60s, that must have been terrifying for people. Yeah, because it's something strange and you've never seen before. Yeah, and it's like the, the the I think it's more like the emotionless look of them, like they're just metal, or parts of bins. Yeah, and it's just that look. They have the a very menacing look without emotion. Yeah, because there's no eyes or face or anything like that. So yeah, and I think that's what made people uneasy with them when they first seen them on TV because they couldn't read them because of the I keep saying it because of the lack of facial features for emotion yeah mm. but what are your thoughts on it I, I love the Daleks like I think they're like the they're the first massive villain of Doctor Who and so like when I grew I grew up I watched like the Dalek movies yeah Peter Cushion and this first Doctor Who story with the Daleks is the basis for the the first Dalek movie with Peter Cushion yeah and they put it onto the big screen uh, and the colour, and they had colour Daleks and stuff like that. So I watched the movie before I seen this. Yeah. Uh, and I seen the movies, and the second Dalek movie as well, which is based on the second Dalek story. Um, and I think the, the the pan back from when you when they come out and they see all the Daleks, I think Susan screams a bit too much. Yes. You know, that's, you know, you're not a human companion. You're like, you're meant to be an alien. So why are you screaming so much? It's, it, it's like, it's like the doctor's already seen these aliens. Yeah. You must have already seen them. Well, I don't know if they've seen them. I think this is maybe the first time he's met the Daleks. I think, well, they, I think he's, they've, he's, they've heard of them. They know they're there. Anyway. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. But. Well, well, She's like she's traveling the TARDIS before, so she must have. I don't know how many aliens she's seen at this point, but. Well, yeah. But I think the camera pullback was really well done, especially in such a tiny studio. Yeah. Really well done. Um, and I think. And Ian, the little hero that he is, he tries to run off and gets jelly legged. <laughs> <laughs> no, but the thing is. Why is he running from an alien species that he has no idea about that is literally a living weapon? I mean, they're literally telling him to stand still or they will fire. I forgot about this scene, to be fair. When I first, like, it was 
many moons ago, like many years ago, when I actually watched this episode, and uh, I saw, like, when when they shot Arm, I thought, oh, freaking hell, I don't remember him, uh, him getting killed off. Because, like, every time we saw the Daleks, they've always, they're always killing, and it was quite refreshing to see. I know it was, like, you know, the first time back then to see the Daleks, but actually not killing them, they just basically jelly-legged them. You know, he, he, yeah. lost, he, he couldn't, um, he had no mobility in his legs sort of thing, you know what I mean? So, um, and had to go and cart him off into the cell. Um, but then you, you see that the Doctor and the, uh, Barbara end up getting seriously ill from the radiation um, as well. And uh, the, the the Daleks are wanting one of them to go and get the um, the medication, the medicine, uh, the radio radiation medicine that um, was found in the jungle. Yeah. Oh, did you catch that? Um, the Doctor, like William Hartnell, makes a, a bit of a mistake when he says about the anti-radiation drugs. Anti-radiation gloves. Drugs. Yes. <laughs> I mean, the staple for everyone's outfit. Like, you know, Barbara's fucked. Like, she's out of it. Yeah, the doctor's... She's yeah, she's gone. And then the doctor's absolutely knackered as well. Ian's like, I can't feel my legs, but I'll still bloody date, like... Yeah. <laughs> and then Susan's the only one that's, like, capable, like, to walk about and do it. Yeah. But he's still like, no, I'll date, pal, right? I'm the man. Like, fuck, it was so like... you just give it a moment. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the man, I can do this, I'm British man. And like... Stiff upper lip and all that. Yes. Does he know where these uh, anti-radiation drugs are? Was it not Susan to get into the bloody toilets in the first place? Yeah, I think so. that, that's, that's what I'm saying. Susan had them in the TARDIS. Yeah. Ian didn't. No. <laughs> so why is he going back to the TARDIS to find a drug when he doesn't know where it is? I don't know. I mean, to be honest, I think this whole like thing could have been solved if they just left Ian in the TARDIS. <laughs> <laughs> because then Barbara wouldn't have went off on her own. No. And then they wouldn't have been caught by the Daleks. The Doctor would have been able to look about and skip on his merry way and then get back to the TARDIS and fuck off before they even realised anything was happening. Well, this all would have been averted if they just looked at the radiation meter before they left again. Well, and that that too, but you know what the doctor's like? He would have went, oh no, it's fine. <laughs> that, that's been broken for years. That's just normal, healthy amounts of radiation. I still want to go and look at the city, okay? Yeah, I don't care about radiation, man. I'm a time lord. <laughs> I'll just regenerate. Shh, we don't know that yet. <laughs> like when Ian was standing up trying to walk and everything else it's like watching Bambi walk for the first time and that so you're like sit down Bambi before you hurt yourself <laughs> yeah the thing is like I know I keep going back to this but like why did Ian try and run off like you know you were surrounded so why even attempt it you know what I mean and then like, you know. put the others at risk by running off you know what I mean but I don't know like I hope like at, at this point in time I don't know I just don't like the character at the minute, and I'm hoping at some point down the line I will eventually like him because maybe he's on a bit of a journey himself of 
becoming a better person like the doctor maybe i don't know but like he is a, you can see that he's a nice guy and he has to take up this role as the leader essentially because the doctor he's not quite there yet he's not like you know he keeps leading him into trouble so i get why ian is the way he is but he makes stupid ass decisions yeah you know yeah. i mean yeah i'm just hoping at some point that i will eventually like this character because mm-hmm. i can see it in him i can see see uh me i genuinely liking this character but at the minute from what i've seen so far i'm not overly impressed yeah he so, might grow on you eventually. One of the scenes that I remember as well, when she's running through the, the jungle, I don't know if you caught it, but she's running through the jungle, her, her, like literally her arms are flailing all over the bit with her head <laughs> like bobbing up and down. Bloody hell, how, how do you run? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's, she's screaming at feck all. Yeah. <laughs> well, I was like, oh my days, like, you know, if you're going to do a running scene, like... <laughs> Yep, Susan screaming again. Ah <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, and you see that they did that while well, just the moving background that she's just standing on the spot with her arm yep. flailing everywhere. It's, but, it's, it's literally you, you could imagine a puppet doing it. Like uh, I don't know, like we weren't there when it was filmed. There'll probably be contributing factors to put like. Even the director told her to, I don't know, over exaggerate. I don't know, like, but I just, I just, I just found it funny that you know, just you know what it reminded me of. Uh, it reminded me of um, Woody of a Toy Story. You know when he runs? Yeah, that's what it reminded me of. I was like, oh my days! All right, calm down, Woody. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So anyway, she comes across one of the uh, inhabitants, the the planet, uh, the Thals. I can't. Do you remember what what his name was? I can't remember what his name was now. Aladdin. Aladdin. Yeah, that's the one. That's the one. So she comes across him, and he's all charming and that. But I noticed in her eyes, she's like, "Ooh, mm, he's a bit of a." <laughs> she uh, she went all gooey eyed over him, didn't she? So she's like, "Oh yes, I I trust you." <laughs> When he said, do you trust me? I said, oh, yes, I trust you. <laughs> I do trust you. Yeah, um, you, you could be a serial killer because you look nice. Yeah, yeah. Well, look at Ted Bundy. He was considered uh, a good-looking guy. <laughs> yeah, most happen, serial happen, killers yeah. were good-looking. Yeah, so they're not what everybody would expect a serial killer to look like, but hey oh. He ended up giving her an extra box of uh, medication as well for her, which was quite nice of him. It's the way that she meets him is just kind of standing there, like very overlordy. Like I tried to talk to you, I touched you. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds worse. You touched me. Someone touched me. Someone touched me. Susan finally gets back and gives the the Daleks the uh, the the medication. Uh, she was also surprised that the Daleks let her keep the extra box. Which I don't see. I don't know why she didn't just hide it, just in case, you know, because the Daleks could have went, nope, you're not having that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Although, to be honest, in her outfit, she didn't really have anywhere to hide it. Um, hide it in your bra, love. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Hide it. Like, so she must have, like, said, look, 
here's your here's the medicine, but I've also got a, a, an extra extra one. Why didn't you just hide it? Like that's what I would have done. Like, but <laughs> but like, like Jack Harkness. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> where did you get that from? You really don't want to know. <laughs> oh, we really don't. <laughs> um, this is the 60s we're talking about. <laughs> I, th- I think I think that would be too much for the delicate eyes of the viewers. Well, well. <laughs> well, yeah, so she... She returns to the cell with the medication to her surprise, and uh, the doctor and company start feeling a lot better once they've like, um, once they've taken the medication. Basically, Susan's like describing like the thals and everything else, and telling her what she thinks they're like and all the rest of it. And oh, he's dead nice and everything else. And basically, he's good looking. Yeah, basically, yeah, yeah, he's a good looking guy. I might marry him. I'm gonna put my. I'm gonna find out his last name and write it. Write it down somewhere. Susan Thal something or other. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but um, but yeah, she uh, she tell she she's obviously she doesn't know that. Like, I don't think she knows anyway. She was being recorded. The Daleks suddenly appear, saying that they want to help the Thals and everything else um, as well. So you know. Um, Susan comes to an agreement with um, with uh, what's his name Dal, Dal, uh, Dal something what is it who the the guy that she met the Thal that she met what was his name again Aladon Aladon that's the one uh, she, she they came up with an agreement of um, basically she'll write she'll sign her name if everything's alright and all the rest uh, and that they're not trying to trick her like try to trick them or whatever, or uh, but then she ends up writing it, and then she signs it to say that it's, everything's going to be okay. They're not trying to lure you into a trap, but then obviously the Daleks, I think, already know this. So Susan's writing that message to the Fowls. Yeah, right. with the Daleks. How the hell do the Daleks have paper and a pen? <laughs> that's, that's a genuinely good point. Um, <laughs> that confused me. I was like, "What? You've actually got paper on the pen? You, you've got no hands, mate. <laughs> <laughs> you've got a slate plunger. Like, come on. You mean, t- you mean for all these years you've kept a pen and some paper just lying about? <laughs> well, maybe, maybe, maybe there's some teenager needs to write a message. <laughs> well, maybe, maybe they did. Maybe." Before they became what they became, maybe they did have like pens and whatnot, but I don't know. <laughs> it's something to think about, I suppose. Um, Do you think they've got like a store cupboard with all these things that they might need just in case? No, uh, just a wee store cupboard full of pens, paper, and yeah. paper clips it's and all that. Yeah, might have one just hanging about there somewhere. Yeah, in their city designed for them. Yeah, you never know. In about no. five, five, 500 years, we might have some a little girl needs to write a letter. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you never know. We, 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 they might. They might have thought that so at some point they would have needed somebody. Yeah. But you would have thought, as advanced as the Daleks are, they would have used something else other than pen and paper. Yeah. But the, the pen and paper was very... The, the paper was very solid. 
Yeah. So it, was, it wasn't. It didn't act like paper. Especially, especially when when they were when she was like when the, she handed the paper. She didn't exactly hand it to them. She more placed it on the sucker. Yeah. You can see at the point when that magnet actually, when it actually magnetizes and it actually sticks to it. Yeah. So you can because she kind of jumps when it does it. If anybody out there has any theories or anything, please let us know on our socials. <laughs> you know, so, um, but yeah, I don't know. That's a genuinely good point, actually. I don't know. Um, but yeah, oh my days. So anyway, the, the Thals get the message and that, and a couple, a few of them go to the city to meet up with the Dalek. Like the Doctor, Ian, Barbara, and Susan all hatch a plan to try and escape uh, and basically knock off the camera. They finally manage to... They're able to escape, and everyone else, and uh, by using the cloak that... Uh, Alda, Ald, Aladon, whatever his name is. <laughs> Aladon. Aladon, that's the one. Uh, Aladon uh, gave to her, and as the Dalek came through, they, they used the cloak that stopped the Dalek. But um, I, I quite liked the use of that cloak, you know, like when they stopped the Dalek. Yeah. I kind of liked how they did that. And they all worked together as a team, which I thought was really well done. Yes, that Ian didn't actually try and claim all the all the glory for it. No, thank God. <laughs> but I, I love the expression between uh, Ian and the Doctor. Like when, like look at, like they open up the Dalek and they're like, "Holy shit, what is that?" Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? You can see the guy inside just kind of hide. We're, we're not, we're not going to skip over the fact that a Dalek can de- be defeated by a lump of mud and a cloak. Well, I think the cloak was more to do to, to sever it from the power source. Well, I mean, yes, but then when they take the cloak away, the Dalek is still not not connected. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I think I think they kind of skipped over that fact that the, the Dalek, as soon as it makes contact with the floor, yeah, that that happens. Yeah. I don't know. They should have used something else to pull it out instead of the cloak. That makes no sense. Well, yeah. But, uh... But again, like like you said, it's just the fact that when they open the Dalek, when they take the head off the Dalek uh, armour, because that's what it is, it's armour, uh, the guy's shoulders are just there, and you can see him kind of moving and trying to get out of the shot. <laughs> so you can, but then you can also see Ian looking down at the guy. <laughs> Very awkwardly as he's doing this. Yeah, it's like, don't you move, man. It's <laughs> like, ruin the shot. It's like, stay still. <laughs> and then they very awkwardly use the cloak to pick up, uh, pick up the Dalek. But you can also tell that he's trying to avoid smothering the guy inside it. <laughs> so he is. What happened? I smothered him to death with a cloak. <laughs> <laughs> and but but then they just kind of discard the Dalek on the floor at that point. Yeah, and the Dalek's just there, and Ian's like, "I'm going to get in this." Yeah, gross. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. But then when he he comes out later on, he's clean. I'm just like, how? <laughs> yeah, <clears throat> if the Daleks are basically biologically bonded to their armor, mm. 
how is it not all gooey and slimy in there? Yeah. I don't know. It's the sixties. Let's not think about it too much. It goes to show that if you use your head, you can you can achieve anything, sort of thing. You know what I mean? Like and even like I don't know if it was meant or not in these sort of episodes or whatever. Like, but it's like I, what I picked up on anyway. If I'm just talking on arse, I don't know. But what I picked up on is the fact that like you know. You can use your head, and it's just as powerful as using a weapon, sort of thing. If like, if you know how to use it, and I think that's maybe the message that we're trying to get across, maybe because like, yeah. even in these episodes, like, except from Ian and his throne, uh, his stone throwing abilities and that, um, what he never even used a weapon. You know what I mean? So, but maybe that was the message we we're trying to get across back then. I don't know, but um, yeah. but I do, I do quite like that. So it's. Continuity, if, if anything, up until the war, Doctor. But, yeah. yeah. So, um, you could, like, I think you're supposed to use your imagination of what the creature would look like, but we now know in the mo- from the modern era what the creature looked like. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. Yeah, so Ian becomes a Dalek to help them escape. So they walk down the corridor with um, Ian and the Dalek, trying to act like a Dalek, and then he figures out the, the controls somehow. I have no idea how, but, yeah, okay. It's like, it's like, he's going, I don't know how to work this, there's a lot of buttons and all that in here. Yeah. And then, in the next scene, he's like, oh, this is great, scooting about like he's on a Segway. Yeah. It's like, uh, how did you just figure that out in, like, a couple of minutes? Like, yeah. It's like, how long are them corridors? Um, they eventually do end up escaping anyway, and... Ian agrees to go back to warn the Thals that um, it's a trap, basically. We have to do something for these people that are wearing weird clothes. Yeah. It's like they came out of like a 60s musical or something. Yeah, like it looks like Flash Gordon. Yeah. When was Flash Gordon, anyway? Was that the 50s? Oh, uh, original, yeah, I think, but the 50s, yeah. Yeah, because isn't that what Star Wars is kind of based on as well? 1936. Ah, right. And here's the thing I have a str- I'm struggling with, right? So Ian goes to goes to warn them and that, but then he stands about looking like a spare part for ages. He's just watching. Yeah, he doesn't. He's like, hold on a minute, hold on a minute. He's talking. I'm not going to interrupt him. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to do the British thing and wait till he's finished. Yes. Can't interrupt. <laughs> nope. <laughs> it's rude. We're not doing that. And he's just standing there waiting for his cue. Yeah, I don't. I didn't understand that. Like you, you ran like the clappers down the hallways to try and get to them, and then he said, "Stop dead." And goes, "Actually, this guy's quite interesting. What's he got to say?" You're there to warn them that it's a trap. He just watched. Showed yeah. it in the last minute. Did his best day, Admiral Akbar. It's a trap. Oh, he's dead. Oh, oh, that's not good. And then by that point, it's too late. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I'm just like. You know, like, I know I keep moaning about Ian a lot, but he just, he does stupid things. You know what I mean? Like, he could have saved, like, maybe one or two of them might have died anyway, but he might have saved the majority of them. You know what I mean? But, like, the, quite a lot of them uh, died, didn't they? So, um, yeah. as, a, as a result of his stupidity, basically. So, obviously, these, like, these days, you wouldn't see 
the the doctor going, "All right, okay, I'll go back with uh, back with the, with the girls to the to the safe place called the TARDIS and that. You go and risk your life. You wouldn't see that now, would you? So, no. um, and the thing is, it's all these little tidbits, like even from previous like previous episodes and that that you have to appreciate the like William Hartnell as the first Doctor because you pick up on these little things that. Uh, we would see as uh, out of character for the Doctor. But actually, it's just lining up who the Doctor will become sort of thing. I actually quite like that. You know what I mean? Like, Yeah, because basically in, in most of the stories, and especially this one, it's like the companions are like the, his conscience and they're the telling them, like, this is the good thing you should be doing. Yeah, and he's learning from them. Like this is yeah. maybe I should be doing this sort of thing. Yeah, he's kind of like a a, a teenager that's just kind of learning, the, the, getting out into the world and learning what he's supposed to be doing. Yeah, yeah, uh, I, yeah. I get that as well. So like, it's like, um, what was it? When uh, I know we've covered this, but like with, with in the caveman episodes and stuff like that, he was willing to let a man die, you know, just so he can survive, sort of thing. And he has that argument with Ian or whatever. But then again, in the like in the Dalek episodes and that when they've escaped and running off in that, he's like, Good luck, dear boy. And then off he pops. All right, bye, Doctor. <laughs> <laughs> See you later. Thanks, <laughs> I'll, I'll risk my own life to warn the Thals, but even though I won't warn the Thals until it's too late. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'll do it when the script tells me to do it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. It's not queued. It's not queued. Oh, it's a trap! Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, shit, Tilly. <laughs> they should have just put, uh, what's called, General Akbar into it. It's a trap! It's a trap! Oh. <laughs> uh, uh, we'll move on from that one. They, they eventually get to the, the Thal's camp. Um, get back to safety as they say and the Doctor ends up finding out a bit about history between the da- uh, the Daleks and the Thals which the Daleks uh, were once called the Dals instead of the Daleks you know so um, do you know like do you, do you remember much of what they were, they were saying about the history in that basically what it was is that the Thals used to be warrior a warrior race yeah, and the Dals, as they were po- called back in the day before, like the Atomic War and shit, they were like uh, educated and they were like philosophers and uh, great scientists and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but at this point, they were called the Dals. They weren't called like in a bit when you get to like Genesis of the Daleks, they're called Khaleds. Um, yeah. But this is basically the first story that Terranation wrote, so it's just kind of. Whatever he made up at that point. Yeah, <laughs> but the, the thing is, the, the later on though, they the, they managed to make it make a little bit more sense, don't they? They kind of go a little bit deeper into like into other episodes and other incarnations of the Doctor anyway, don't they? So, well, yeah, um, this is kind of just like a a one off sort of story. Like, yeah. it wasn't supposed to be another one. Yeah. Um, but eventually, as they kept doing more, like we had to kind of expand yeah. the story a bit more. I like the fact that they they've kept the Daleks being from Scarrow, like because the the, the we, we end up finding out later on that they're on the planet Scarrow, which we all know is the home planet of the Daleks. 
uh, as well. So I kind of like the fact that, like, even though the maybe maybe have changed it a little bit, like the lore of the Daleks a little bit, like through time, but they've kept that the same. You know what I mean? So yeah, um, which I quite I quite liked. But he, yeah, as I said, the doctor uh, managed to find out a bit more about the planet that he's on and everything else, and uh, the struggles between the Dals and the Daleks. Um, do we do we know? Like, I don't remember it ever coming up in the episode. But do we know why they changed it from the Dals to the Daleks? No, no, no. I didn't. I didn't think so. Um, but. I might look into that at some point and find out for a future episode. Yeah, Ian's trying to uh, another, another another kind of being trying to be a hero again. Um, <laughs> he uh, he tries to uh, get the the Thals to fight back against the Daleks and everything else. Um, <clears throat> he uh, he tries to ruffle them up and uh, and things like that. And at one point, he grabs one of the Thal girls, going, "Maybe I should take them." Take her to the uh, to the city and that, and offer her up to the Daleks and everything else, and it ends up um, going sideways for for Ian, which I kind of enjoyed because he gets punched in the face. <laughs> 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 uh, doesn't doesn't Timmy don't be a hero mean anything to him? <laughs> yes, and he's like, you will fight for something, and the guy's like, oh shit, well, won't I? But you know, uh, but it worked. Um, Ends up igniting uh, some fury within the, within the Thals and that, and they end up agreeing to um, eventually agreeing to take on the Daleks. Um, so um, yeah, um, well, sorry, I've just missed a bit out there. Uh, oh yeah, it turns out that Ian had the link fluid taken off him as well by the Daleks. As well, which was a bit of a, a blow for them because they were hoping to leave, but they needed to stay. So um, that, that was the bit I missed out. Sorry, I missed that bit out. But then that's what led to Ian trying to get the Thals to fight back against the Daleks, basically, essentially. Um, so they eventually agree and they hatch a plan to invade the, the Dalek city. Um, so you got Ian and Barbara going through a, a swamp full of like these mutate mutated creatures and things like that and they end up having to you know go up a mountain as well just to get to the back of the city so they can enter the city to surprise surprise the Daleks as well. Um and here's the thing that I was coming coming to like earlier with the whole recording Susan thing and telling her about like her telling the doctor and that about the Thals right is that they could listen to that conversation right but they couldn't hear what the the plan they were hatching when they were watching when the daleks were watching them in the jungle yeah i don't know if that's to do with the distance between the city and the the, the jungle i don't know if they've got any recording stuff out there yeah maybe i don't know it's just like it would be nice to like I don't know, maybe suspend disbelief or just maybe even just go, all right, okay, well, I'll just chalk that up to being distance, like you say, but I just, yeah, yeah, that kind of makes sense. That kind of does make sense. Well, at this point in time, the Daleks can't leave the city. Yeah. That's where they get their energy from to move Mm -hmm. around. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, I'll, I'll uh, yeah, I'll leave, I'll leave that there then. I'll, I'll go with your uh, with your theory on that one with the fact that it's distance and that they don't have any audio equipment up there. So we'll go with that. <laughs> yeah. Um, the 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 yeah uh, the. Daleks attempt to use the medication, uh, the radiation medication, but then um, the Daleks start to slowly die from it. This, well, they become ill. The Dalek, and he's there going round in circles, going, "Help me! Help me! Help me!" I think he's had a bit too much to drink. <laughs> You're just a bit. <laughs> help me! Help! Help me! Help me! Can't get home. Help! <laughs> Which way is the door? The room is spinning. So am I. <laughs> <laughs> what started first? Was it the room or was it me? But, but then the, the other Daleks that are, are, I'm guessing, higher up are like the Daleks on level two. They are, they, something is happening to them after taking the drug. It's spreading. <laughs> they took and some like, drugs and, and they're just like oh well we'll just not take it anymore so they kind of realise actually we're immune and that they basically they actually need the radiation in order to survive I don't know I don't know how they didn't work that out at the fact that they hadn't died <laughs> yeah I don't know the doctor and Susan along with some of the files and that try to uh, block the video and communications as well. The the Daleks, uh, like the yeah, the Daleks end up finding out what they're trying to trying to do, and basically the Doctor and Susan ends up getting captured and taken to the control room. When the Doctor and Susan's in the control room, they end up getting told about the plan as well. Ian leads a crew through through the swamp and up through the mountains, and eventually come across. Uh, these tunnels, some sort of argument or, or whatever, um, and then they end up uh, getting uh, barricaded in because there's like a big massive rockfall and everything else and the, the all the way they can basically get out is actually go, continuing on towards the city and then they end up having to go down this bloody abyss tied to a rope that Ian ties as well and that goes sideways very fast and one of the Thals ends up, ends up sacrificing himself to save the others as well, so but what what was that that Thal's name that that sacrificed himself? Do you remember, Stephen? Uh, Antidus, I think it was. Yeah. Yes. Antidus. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It was. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. Oh yeah. So yeah, he sacrifices himself, which means that the rest of them could survive. Which you know he needs to get a memorial up or something at the end of this. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so uh, Ian and the whole crew end up making it into the city. Aladdin and uh, a group of Thals try to save the Doctor, and they end up coming across Ian and his his mob, basically. Um, and the Doctor, and then they lead, lead them back to the control room. They end up destroying, like, basically all the equipment in that that is uh, going to be used to uh, raise up the radiation as well. So they end up... And then they end up uh, disabling all the electricity within the, the well, the power source within the, the Dalek city as well, which the the Daleks couldn't couldn't move about, they couldn't do anything, uh, and then they just started to die basically, essentially. But then the Daleks were begging 
the doctor for mercy, um, begging you for mercy. Anyway, um, <laughs> <laughs> mercy, mercy, mercy. Um, I thought but, she was begging uh, me for birdseed. Um, but yeah, um, birdseed, 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 birdseed. Lots of owl, not uh, anyway. Uh, (laughs) So um, yeah, so the basically the Daleks are like like begging begging the Doctor to repair the system so they can survive, but. The doctor just responds in just basically the most casual manner ever. He's like, "I wouldn't even if I knew how." <laughs> so that's that essentially like signing their death warrant. You know, Thals were like pretty much disgusted with like the whole, like all the death and destruction and everything else. That what did we do? This goes against our morals. They seem pretty grateful for for everything that's transpired, but. You know, uh, every, and then everybody returned back to the Thal camp, um, which I didn't see. I didn't see this essentially in any of the other episodes. But apparently, there was a bit of a romance between Barbara and Gigantis, and that and Gigantis. Gigantis, that's the one. Yeah, I think that's how it's pronounced. Yeah, Gigantis. Yeah, like, uh, like I know they had a bit of a moment talking about the stars and then talking about other things and whatnot. Um, as well, but I wouldn't say it was like that much of a romance. To be fair, but you know, it's it's kind of forced. Yeah, like I think I don't know. Just it was just very weird because they, they didn't really establish it that well. If that's what they were going for when they were writing, they could have written it a bit better. You know what I mean? Uh, but I didn't like. I don't know if you maybe saw differently. Uh, but I didn't see, like, except from that little moment they had about talking about, like, as I said, the stars and that. I don't think they had that much of a moment to say they had a romance, you know. I don't um, think they spend that much time together, to be honest. Yeah, uh, it was very, yeah, it seemed like as you said before, very forced and very, I don't know, weird. But yeah, he kisses her on the arm, uh, on the hand, she say, not the arm, uh, the hand, and. She returns back to the TARDIS. Everything's looking rosy for like a whole of two seconds before the the TARDIS console explodes and all like the Doctor, uh, Barbara, Ian and Susan all hit the deck basically. Uh, that's essentially the end of the episode which I'm excited for the next episode. But yeah, um, there was a lot to cover in that one. But yeah, I've I think because it was a seven-partner as well, it was like so much going on as well, and so much to cover. But I think, yeah. was, like, in my point of view, it was a good episode as well. So um, that's a good good way to introdu- uh, introduce the Daleks. Yeah, it's, it's a good way. Um, it's a good first story for them. It's yeah, kind of yeah. a smaller scale, and it kind of just focuses on their beliefs and whatnot. So yeah, because it's. Quickly, well, it's not quickly established, but it's established in one of the episodes that I think it's Ian that might uh, point it out to them that though they hate the Thals because they're different, and that's the whole sort of lo- like law for them because the the Daleks don't like anything as different to what they are. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, but it's good. Uh, well, the Doctor being 
the doctor um, decides that he he wants to leave Ian to go and find Barbara, and he wants mm. to go back with Susan. And Ian's like, yeah. uh, "No, not happening, mate. Yeah. <laughs> I've got your fluid link, pal." Yeah, <laughs> uh, I, I, yeah I, I found that quite funny as well. Like, like, but I don't think I have anything else to say uh, about it. Do you, Stephen? Not really. No. No. <laughs> I think we've pretty much covered that. Um, so, yeah. Okay, so we have a sort of a five-star rating system for our stories and how we rate them. And each sort of rating has, like, a quote from Doctor Who. So a one-star would be... Mm, don't like it. And it basically means you never want to watch it again. You don't want to recommend it to anyone. It was boring as hell. And you never want to watch it again because it's crap. Uh, a two star would be and it's just it's not good but it's not terrible either it's just not really worth watching so you probably wouldn't watch it but it's not really that bad three stars would be and it's a pile of good things and bad things not good but not too bad either four stars would be brilliant I would watch it again it's very very good went above my expectations I loved it and I would definitely recommend it to my friends. Uh, five stars would be... Fantastic! I would watch it again straight away. And it's one you'd go to watch first. And it's in the top tier of like your Doctor Who episodes. And you just don't want it to end. And that's the main system. Cool. Alrighty then. Um, do you want to go first then, Stephen? Alrighty then. Uh, my rating would be it is four stars. It is brilliant, and I think it's a fantastic introduction to the Doctor's longest enemy. The first five episodes are really, really good. They build up the to the revealing of the Daleks and showing the strain on the TARDIS, the team of the Doctor, Susan, Ian, and Barbara. They have a lot of sort of infighting and sort of uh, squabbling and trying to figure out how they're going to get out of this problem that they're in um, Ian always tries to convince the Doctor to do the right thing and I think it's always about the Doctor learning uh, lessons about life and how to be a good person I really do love these episodes so much, I think it's a really great Dalek story, the first one and I think their designs were really well realised at this point right from the beginning, and they're basically kind of the same for the next 60 odd years. And I think it's, this is a really good reason why the Daleks were so massive at the time. It kind of slows down after, like, midway through. Uh, could maybe have cut, like, maybe one of the episodes to make it, like, a six-parter. It might have sped it up a little bit. But overall, I think it's a great little adventure with a fantastic piece of history, and it, it, I would always go back to watch it. And I think it's a great part of the building of the TARDIS team uh, and building their relationship in the first sort of 13 episodes of the first three stories. Uh, I think it's great. Cool. Um, <clears throat> so I, I'm going to probably get a, a bit of hate from this, but um, I'm actually going to go with... I did like the episode. I did genuinely like it. And I think it is a, a great opener for the Daleks especially since they're the, the oldest enemy of the Doctor and everything else. Um, 
But reason being, uh, it's just I don't know. It's like, but some of the, some of the bits to the story, like as you say, like in, like halfway through, it did slow down a bit, which I didn't like uh, myself. But also, um, there was at times uh, Ian did genuinely annoy me. Sometimes I know I keep banging on about it, but yeah, he, he did um, sometimes annoy annoy me at times um, as well. Um, and it kind of took me away from the story sometimes, and then I was just like, "All right, okay." Um, you know, I don't like some of the uh, like some of the stuff that they, they did, like and they brought up in that was was good. I, I, I did I did genuinely like that, uh, especially with the um, the history of the like of the the thousand dolls uh, and stuff. It was quite interesting to hear about that. Um, I don't know. Like I think sometimes. Uh, the act, the acting at times kind of wavered, you know what I mean, um, as well. Um, and I think I know that it's still early days for the like the doc, like between the doctor, Barbara, and Ian, and everything else. But I think at some point they need to cut out all the squabbling, and I kind of hope they do that in the next sort of uh, lot of episodes as well, because I think. If you continue on doing it, especially if it's going to be a back and forth or like whatever between the doctor and Ian, it's just going to get like on my tits, essentially. <laughs> um, it, does, it, uh, it does end at some point. Oh, that's good then. That's good. I just it's yeah. going to end very soon. <laughs> that's, well, that's all, that, well, that's all right then. It's all right, but I just like I'm not taking anything away from the like. These episodes, as I said, it is a, a good episode in that, but it's just a mixture of good things and bad things for myself, uh, as we pointed out. You know what I mean? So, um, I think, um, yeah, I just like, yeah, I just, I, I'm just trying to think of, um, yeah, I, I'm just going to go with Ood. Uh, a mixture of good things and bad things as well. So, but it's, it's still, as I said, it's still a good opener of an else uh, as well. So, yeah. Ood. Ood. Yeah, that is very ood. Um, but hey ho. Yeah. Um, uh, I'd give it four stars. Fantastic! I would watch it again, so because I, I did enjoy the story. I'm looking forward to the next uh, next one because I keep. Like by the looks of things, they keep up in the ante, so to speak. So I'm looking forward to because I don't think I've ever seen this next story though. Because I think I, I think I've only seen a few of William Hartnell's episodes, and I don't think I've I was having a look at it before, and I don't think I've seen this these next few episodes. So I'm I'm quite interested to see what happens, um, or maybe something will kind of. Uh, I, I might have, might have, might remind me. I don't know, but uh, when I was looking at, like, looking at the not the plot line to it, I didn't recognise the episode. So I'll be interested to see what happens next.
uh, well, in the next story, we've got two episodes, The Edge of Destruction. Yeah. And then there's the missing story, Marco Polo. Right. Which you'll just get on Audible. Right. Okay. Cool. So it's not. It's not. Uh, it's that. That was one of the ones that wasn't filmed, or it's missing. It was filmed. It just got deleted by the BBC. <laughs> Damn the it's BBC. Just lost. We, just, we just never got it back. It's right. still out there somewhere, and there must be someone that must have some copies of it somewhere. Uh, but over the years, we've had some episodes come back. Uh, like ten years ago, we got like the the Web of Fear and Enemy of the World. We got some of them back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With the second Doctor. So, but the Marco Polo is the first missing story that we'll get to. So you'll just have to listen to that one on um, the missing Aud- episodes collection on Audible. Yeah, that's 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 got it. Then. But and yeah. then we're all plain sailing. So then we got the Keys of Man and us. Uh, right through to the end of the season with the Reign of Terror, so they're, they're all there. Oh, okay. So some um, of the missing episodes of the Reign of Terror have been animated. Um, yeah. So, uh, also, also, there's quite. Is there, am I right in thinking there's quite a few missing episodes from Pat, Patrick Chilton's era? There's quite a few yeah, missing there. There's, there's quite a few there, but most of them have been animated by now. Right, okay. Uh, I'm trying to think. The only ones that haven't been animated from the second Doctor are the Highlanders, where Jamie is introduced. Right. Ah, I think that's the only one from season... Season four, there's the first Doctor story, The Smugglers, before the Tenth Planet, which hasn't been animated either. Season four, there's The Smugglers, it's not been animated. Then there's the Tenth Planet, the the first Doctor's last story. Then you get the second Doctor and the Power of the Daleks, yeah, which has been animated. That was lost, but it's animated now. The Highlanders yeah. have not been animated, and then the rest of season four has been animated, or they're, they're still there, basically. Right. The majority of it's basically most of season four was lost, so it was all got animated. Uh, season five, I don't know. I need to think. There's a few that's still out there that have not been animated yet. I think the other ones, the Space Pirates, I think. Right. Which is season six. Right. So, because we'll, uh, we'll let everybody know where, where where they can listen, watch, or where they can discover these stories as we come up to them. So, yeah, but the majority of the lost ones that have not been animated are the first Doctor ones. Right. Okay. Season All three right. got absolutely massacred because there's not a lot of it left. Hey, damn the BBC. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, but we'll kind of explain why most of them got lost as we go along. Yeah. All right. Well, it's a bon voyage from me. And a bon voyage from him. <laughs> yes, somebody finally got it this time. <laughs> I tried to set these up for it. Yes, I, like in the last recording, but nobody picked it up. <laughs> well, I was trying to subvert it, right? I tried to make a Doctor Who joke, right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, <laughs> all right. Bon voyage, anyway. Uh, Right. Thank you. Goodbye. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening, guys. Bye. Bye. Okay. Bye, and thank you for listening.